there's not a single problem the world is facing that mushrooms can't touch. And that's a lot of what we talk about. It's in the wow. top track of our, our company. It's a, it's a big statement, right? But the largest problem in the world right now is mental health. It's one eighth of the population statistically suffers from some sort of a mental health disorder. And so if you have to kind of like pull back all the layers and ask yourself, what are the biggest problems facing humanity? Um, there's a lot of things that you can do to kind of like tackle and, and move the world forward. I think fungi are one of the biggest levers that you can pull to solve the underlying issue that's underneath all other issues, which is mental health. Hi, my name is Aggie and this is Biohacking Bestie. The one-stop shop for a modern queen where you can find biohacking courses, self-growth courses, and where you can find the most incredible community of women so you can hit all of your biohacking goals and beyond. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Biohacking Bestie. Today, we are hosting my sister and a beautiful soul, Ali. Welcome. Ali from Supermush. Ali Shaper. How are you? I'm great. I never come to West Hollywood, so this is such a lovely adventure for me. Everywhere that's not in Venice, I say is north of north of the wall. This is a little north of the wall, but it's a pleasure. I'm really excited to be here. First of all, obviously we're friends and we're in the same community, but I, I want to take this opportunity to just thank you for being there for me. You didn't have to, but you were, especially like earlier this year, I was going through a breakup. I felt super unlovable. I felt like I wanted to be a part of the community but didn't know how to reach out you know when you get into that funk that you like just don't know where to go and you reached out met up with me made me talk about my breakup for the entire coffee uh, date and only then mentioned that your dad passed away at the very end I was like whoa I just like the amount of like selfless care that you had was like didn't go unnoticed mm -hmm. so thank you that you're just like such a good friend and master connector so Ali is the CEO of Supermush which will talk about mushrooms and psychedelics and whatnot but you also one of your biggest gifts before we get into the mushrooms is being a master connector and a community builder which is a gift I do not possess but I'm always impressed by people like you how did you get started with Supermush well thank you so much for that um yeah. So I guess what feels relevant to share. I actually tell this story a little bit differently every time I say it when people are like, how did you get into the mushroom space? The quick cliff notes of it is that I was exposed to the functional mushroom world, cordyceps, lion's mane, fully legal superfoods, and they had a profound impact on my physical health. At the same time, I was studying the psychedelic space when early days, the Tim Ferrisses of the world were first starting to kind of talk about it and fund it. And I was fascinated with the fact that these legal superfoods that were having a game-changing effect on my physical health were from the same kingdom as psychedelics that you know were being studied in clinical trials and kind of having this resurgence after the shutdown on the war, you know, in the war on drugs, which we can kind of go into. But I wanted to bring these worlds together, right? And this is like mm -hmm. around the time that Fantastic Fungi was coming out into the world, really great documentary on on mushrooms, fungi, and the whole kingdom, uh, how it works. And I was fascinated. I was just, I was like truly fascinated in part, obviously, because I was, you know, really grateful and thankful that they were having such a profound impact on my physical health. Um, at the same time, I was exploring with psychedelics. I was experiencing um, pretty radical consciousness shifts from my own journey with psychedelics and exploring them. And I guess the best way to, to, that I want to word this is I actually believe that there's not a single problem the world is facing that mushrooms can't touch. And that's a lot of what we talk about. It's in the wow. top track of our, our company. It's a, it's a big statement, right? But the largest problem in the world right now is mental health. It's one eighth of the population statistically suffers from some sort of a mental health disorder. And so if you have to kind of like pull back all the layers and ask yourself, what are the biggest problems facing humanity? Um, there's a lot of things that you can do to kind of like tackle and, and move the world forward. I think fungi are one of the biggest levers that you can pull to solve the underlying issue that's underneath all other issues, which is mental health. Because of the radical consciousness shift in psychedelics, because of the profound impact that lion's mane and other superfood mushrooms can have um, on your brain. And so that was, that was what piqued the interest. 
Incredible. So I remember we first met in 2020, almost in the middle of the pandemic. And, and I remember how passionate you were about mushrooms and like, you should watch this movie, you should do that. And I'm like, wow, who is this girl? Like a crazy mushroom lady. <laughs> but I loved it. Uh, so I grew up in Poland. And so I think there was a little bit more reverence towards mushrooms in Poland because every fall, in September, we get together and we go mushroom picking, right? So it's like my entire family would go to a forest and would pick mushrooms and we know which ones are the good ones, which ones are like better, wow. worse. And like these are the, you know, the toxic or the poisonous ones. And so it's one of my favorite activities because they, you know, hide and you really just like really look out for them. And so then I come to America and people are like, what the f*** are you doing? Mushroom picking? How weird. Like... I think mushrooms have really bad rap in the US and I feel like it's it's just a it's it's almost like a, the thing you sprinkle on your pizza with ham and, and pineapple and that's about it and it's really interesting how we really don't understand mushrooms at all they're, they're so misunderstood. I also love that you grew up doing that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's amazing. I wish all children grew up foraging for mushrooms. Yeah, you know, this is ancient wisdom. What's funny is like you have, you know, you have an amazing podcast called Biohacking Vesta. You're obviously super fascinated with biohacking. Most of the things that you're probably doing are ancient yeah. wisdom. Literally, that's so true. I always like like to uh, laugh at this, that I'm like, you feel like biohacking science. I'm like, actually, it's exactly what my grandma did. She didn't call it biohacking. She called it common, you know, common sense. Yeah, you know, like <laughs> behave like a caveman, expose yourself to high extreme points of stress, eat food from the earth be in tribe, be in community. Those are the ultimate biohacks, right? But we've repackaged yep. them because our modern world um, is much different than how we used to live. So yeah. anyways, mushrooms are ancient wisdom. Both functional mushrooms and psychedelics have been used for thousands of years. And in human, the Chinese medicine, right? Chinese medicine, you know, reishi mushrooms, cordyceps, lion's mane, are huge part of Chinese medicine. Humans evolved eating mushrooms. And so a lot of what we talk about with Supermash when we're explaining our products to people, because you know, they're, they're these really fun, you know, we have some of them here, we have really fun psychedelic branded superfood supplements, non-hallucinogenic. And we're really repackaging ancient wisdom for, you know, modern kind of like Gen Z millennial consumers. But they were used for thousands of years. Humans evolved eating them during the most vital periods of our development. If you look at, you know, you know, you can find a fossilized humans that had a reishi mushroom in one hand and a psilocybin in the other. No way. Or, yeah, a vital part of our brain development. There's like this expedited period of, of human brain growth, hence the stoned ape theory. If you've heard about this, where humans, you know, ate psychedelic mushrooms and a lot of people believe, scientists believe that it helped develop language or language and expedited our, our physical development, our, our mental development. Oh, no way. So again, ancient wisdom, but then what happens, right, is along the way, we take them out of our diet, especially in the Western world, we started consuming, you know, this is, there's a lot of gaps in between here, but we started consuming processed food. Yeah. And, and also like mushroom in the US is just so basic. Like you get like two or three kinds in Poland, we have at least 10 or 15 mm. that we rotate and we love. And so the, the basic one that's in, in any whole foods, it's just like, I don't even like the flavor so much because it's. It's quite, I don't even know what the kind is called, the, the white one. I know Polish word. But anyways, it's just like one kind of like at least 20 that you can eat and they all have a different flavor. Yeah, there's thousands of species of, you know, of edible, you know, medicinal mushrooms. It's amazing. And they're having this resurgence now in our, in our Western world in part because you know, we're, we're picking up on the profound health benefits of functional mushrooms because we need it more now than ever. We totally misunderstand energy in the United States, especially like we think energy is how you're supposed to feel when you're jacked up on caffeine. And then we're constantly in this oscillation and this like really crazy rat race. And it's a vicious cycle of like caffeine, sleeping pills, caffeine, sleeping pills. And like, yeah. no wonder we're exhausted. Our bodies are totally not in balance. And what mushrooms do is they help bring you into balance. So that's what's happening in functional mushroom world. And then the psychedelic space, you know, equally fascinating and it's getting a lot of media attention right now, more so than functional mushrooms, but they kind of rise are rising together in popularity because we're having all of the clinical trials that were shut down in the sixties are the war on drugs declared psychedelic schedule one substances, meaning that we find them to have no medicinal benefits, even though they're arguably the most powerful cure, um, 
for, you know, in treatment for, for addiction and other mental disorders. Um, that so we're it's a class one means that they are, at, there are drugs that have no medicinal benefit. They're just for recreation. It's not even, there's recreational isn't even a part of it. it just means like we um, find them to be dangerous compounds that have no medicinal benefit. And so a lot of what's happening right now, uh, we can dive into like- Is it of, still the case? Yeah. Yeah, it's being, they're still Even federally scheduled as, as schedule one drugs. And so with the legalization that you see happening, like the state of the state right now with psychedelics is that psilocybin assisted therapy um, is being legalized across the country in different states. So like Colorado and Oregon voted to legalize psilocybin assisted therapy, which is amazing. That, those policies are being rolled out right now. But in the, um, you know, all other states, it's still illegal, even though policies are being introduced, where it's also being decriminalized across the country at different kind of levels. So some, it's slowly happening, slowly happening. And, you know, what's exciting is that it's happening. However, the way that we're making policy is interesting because it's not actually reflective of how most people are using psychedelics. So we actually started a nonprofit called Microdosing Collective with a few other really incredible people in the space. Paul Austin from Third Wave, which you should have him on the podcast for sure because he's an incredible knowledge about microdosing. And you will talk about the microdosing in a second because I, I want to basically create like a little guide for people that are never had mushrooms before and what, you know, starting with functional mushrooms, how different they are. Like, so what, what does it even mean, a functional mushroom? Because psychedelic, obviously, okay, I'm going to be tripping, I'm going to be seeing things, but what is a functional mushroom? Yeah, it's a good question. It's a kind of a weird word because technically all mushrooms are functional. Um, yeah. But functional just means it has a medicinal benefit beyond just being nu nutritional. Mm -hmm. So it's not the, the, the mushroom that you add to your pizza, which I'm sure has some benefits as well, but these are the ones that you were just mentioning earlier. And so each one of them has a different benefit, right? So I'm completely lost which one's good for what. So if you can give us like a super basic guide, top five mushrooms and the top like, you know, area that they're dealing with. Yeah, that's a, it's a great question. So there's three categories that people can understand fungi, culinary mushrooms you find in your grocery store, functional, the mushrooms we have in Supermash and other superfood adaptogenic mushrooms. And then there are psychedelic mushrooms, the functional mushrooms, the, the few most popular ones that you may hear about are cordyceps, lion's mane, chaga, turkey tail, reishi, really interesting names as well. Great names. <laughs> um, Reishi is an adaptogenic mushroom. It's called the queen of mushrooms. And it's found in a lot of calming supplements. We have it in our, our sleep, our, you know, our, our sleep products mm -hmm. we're coming out with. We have it in our chill mushroom mouth spray um, for super mush. And it's an adaptogen. So it functions to bring your body to homeostasis. Is that what adaptogen means, basically? So it adapts your body to back to where it belongs, which is the homeostasis, which is the, the sweet spot of working perfectly, right? Yeah, that's, I mean, it's a, it's a really, it's a, adaptogenic means homeostasis. It's a very simple way to describe it. That's actually what most people are after, right? Like, I love the feeling of like a little boost of caffeine, but over time that actually doesn't serve me, yeah. right? And what people actually want is flow state and to feel even keeled, to feel, um, you know, when you, when you clinically test energy, you're actually testing fatigue. So you're testing, am I tired? You're not testing like, do I feel absolutely wired? Um, and we have all of these products that are marketed to us in the complete wrong direction, right? Like yeah. all the energy drinks, heavy caffeine supplements. And now people are starting to like really feel the adrenal effects of that. And mushrooms are really good to help bring your body back into balance. So reishi is a great one. Cordyceps has been used by athletes for hundreds of years. You know, Olympic Chinese athletes swear by cordyceps because it increases ATP to your muscles. It actually increases the amount of oxygen that your that goes to your muscles, so you can perform better for longer. It's really great for wow. endurance. Lion's mane is the brain mushroom. Love lion's mane. It's commonly stacked with psilocybin microdosing products. It creates neuroplasticity in the brain. Great for memory function, sexual function, and what's really cool is that you know if you look at the brain of someone who's taken a high dose of lion's mane, you'll see that like, you'll see that neuroplasticity. You'll see that um, no way. density. It's really cool. Lion's mane's great. Um, chaga, incredible immune system 
mushroom. So you can, you know, if you've heard of like a chaga chino and like a cool wellness, sexy city that you're, you know, it's a little more forward thinking, or if you see chaga being added to a bunch of immune boosting supplements, really high anti-inflammatory properties, all functional mushrooms have a high amount of fiber as well. So overall they all have holistic system benefits. And then each one specifically has a more specific benefit for your body. Amazing. I'm trying to to discover like what is the reason of why mushrooms get such bad rep because i think there's part of it that maybe we think of it as a little bit like mold carrying in a way when i think of like you know mushrooms like in the forest it's wet it's mossy whatever it might be and you actually had if you're willing to share i don't know how much of a mushrooms have helped you in your journey right with healing as well which was mold related so it couldn't necessarily be further from the truth Yeah, it was really funny getting getting mold poisoning while you're starting a mushroom company. Um, so that was ironic and really powerful. I guess the thing that feels most present to share about my experience with mold, first of all, it is such an underdiagnosed thing. Yes, let's talk about it because I think it's, I up until it happened to you, I didn't even know it existed and I keep, <laughs> keep hearing it because it was just like, it, you know, you go to an old home and you just kind of, sometimes you smell it, sometimes you don't and you just don't really think much about it and then you brought to my attention that it's actually really, really bad for you and then Dave Asprey started sharing that he, all of his health issues started from mold and I'm like, wait, hang on a second, is that something that I should care about? And then you realize that, wow, like it's crazy. Yeah. So let's, let's, you basically moved to California. You were staying at this beautiful beach bungalow, but <laughs> yeah, I got, I got pretty crazy black mold poisoning from a place that I lived in, in Venice. A lot of homes near the water have mold because of the moisture that's in the air. It was a, a really powerful experience for me to go through, you know, like upon reflection was such an important mental process. There's a lot. What, how did you figure out that you got the, you know. How did I, yeah, I, my body, um, had like crazy edema. My, my brain wasn't working. It was really bad. I, my levels were extraordinarily high, especially if you're not someone who detoxes things well, if you don't sweat, if you don't poop very well, if you don't, um, in general detox toxins from your body. Well, mold. I love that you're talking about that. That's so important. Yeah. And so it was a whole system, um, issue And I went on a whole crazy two-year healing journey. I did everything. I did ozone therapy. I did sauna, cold plunge, supplements. Combo. Um, combo. <laughs> seven rounds of combo. I did four juice cleanses, coffee enemas. Um, you know, It's crazy how hard it is to get rid of this. Very, very. Yeah, fungi are persistent. They're powerful and they're persistent. So I, you know, I, I eventually did get rid of it from my system. A lot of it is like a mental battle as much as anything else. And what I learned, I shared about this actually on, our, on a recent podcast, but like what I learned from this experience is now I'm so aware of my own ability to be resilient, right? Like you're never going to be in a, in an area or an environment that's toxin free mm -hmm. by the way that we live our lives. If you want to live, if you want to be toxin free, you can go like you go live in the woods. Um, but if you want to live in a, a city, you're going to be exposed to environmental toxins, to toxins in products and food, all, all the things. Yeah. And so it's about constantly detoxing things from your body and, and having that cycle. Yeah, supporting like the system because your body is capable of detoxing itself. You just need to be able to support the system. Yeah. And health at its most pure level is your body's ability um, to eliminate waste well. So learned a lot about that. <laughs> Ironic because I was building a mushroom company at the time. So I was learning a lot about fungi just yeah. holistically um, and how they can be teachers both from like consciousness expanding mushrooms and also when they you know infect your system. How I mean they they took over your body literally, right? Yeah. Yeah. It was really it was, you know, I have a lot of people reach out to me about Mold and actually recorded a podcast with um, Jordan Younger from the Balance Blonde, and so many response um, responses and reach outs about mold poisoning specifically because a lot of people are suffering from it, don't know they're suffering from it. If you really can't figure out what your symptoms are and you don't know what's wrong with you, you might want to get tested for for mold toxicity. You know, I found a lot of reprieve from my mold toxicity with psychedelics because a lot of it it can it can really fuck with you psychosomatically yeah. because you're fearful every environment you walk into you're like oh am I getting more exposure to mold it's it's a whole journey and one of the things that I took away from the experience among many others from like a physical detox perspective was that 
as careful as I am about, I wouldn't live in a place that I know has mold after going through this Which experience. it's ironic because your new place that you were about to move in ended up having mold. You're like, I'm and we just got going it to detox. Test. We got it, de- we got it to remediated. Yeah, all the things. But it's great that th- that's one of the great wins. Please do a mold, you know, test for yeah, your for definitely. the new place you're moving in. And you did and you're like, it's actually moldy. And you're like, dang. Yeah. And usually if you've been exposed, you can feel it. Like you'll feel your brain start to shut down a little and, and wow. feel the brain fog. And so I'm pretty, I'm very... Um, um, aware and sensitive, but as careful as I am with that, I've actually taken that, that lesson, if you will, and applied it to a lot of other things in my life. You know, like toxic people are also like mold. They can affect your brain in the same way. And, and, you know, you walk into a really beautiful community event where you like feel, you know, you feel good. You feel the energetics of the people around you. You feel like everyone is, um, aligned and, you know, vibrating at a certain level as us LA people say. And, you know, versus how you feel when you feel like someone is, um, you know, draining your energy or, or maybe isn't aligned. Um, I believe in being as, as intentional about that as, as you are about environmental toxins. And it's so beautiful that you say that because being truly in, in tune with yourself allows you to actually have the discernment to realize, oh, I'm sensing that toxicity. And even with parasite, right? Like just like some people have the parasite energy that you can pick up on or have that energy of leeching of you and yeah it's not easy I love that you said that it's not only about the environment it's about the people it's about the food it's about everything and people are the biggest factor in in everything like the ultimate biohack is to have really amazing people around you you know yeah um so I feel like it's it's kind of the thing that's the most overlooked I have a lot of and I was like this for a while you know I was so into the wellness space when I was first beginning my journey with this like years and years ago and a lot of people I find including myself when my, at the beginning of my journey fail to, to recognize is that the most important thing, like the Element. number one secret to longevity, this woman, you know, was just on a, I just saw something posted online. This woman was like 114 years old and her number one secret to living a long life. It had nothing to do with, with health and wellness as in the way that we typically perceive it. It was avoid toxic people and like surround yourself with community, which is why a lot of that is so important and to, to me and, and you know it's a lot of what we bring into the brand with super mosh and with events we do in the in the psychedelic space yeah you guys well. do like these epic like bike rides where we meet up in venice on a bike and we go around which is like very very cool so let's talk about it because i think all of us crave community but a lot of people like say 90 percent of people we, we want a community but we just don't know where to start and how to cultivate it. and you are literally the heart of our community in venice which is now I don't know how big. It's freaking big. And I know the core group is quite small, but then the the people that you're able to like call in, it's 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 incredible. It's what 50, 60, 70 people at this point that you call your community. Yeah, you know, it's how did it's, you get it started? Because obviously it's like, mind you, I've been in LA for 10 years. You've been in LA for like less than three. And somehow you're able to curate this beautiful community around you, which is it's fair to say that it's not about the time. It's about the energy that you put in, in a way, right? And intentionality. Yeah, I feel really lucky. You know, it's, it's when I first was in New York, um, I was working in the fashion industry. I had corporate job. It was like You were a model of, as well, right? I did that for a little. That was like past life. Yeah. I, no, I, I mean, I was of, like, look at you. Obviously a model. I had so many different walks, walks of life. I was very much an experimenter in my past. I I ran a lot of social experiments to kind of, you know, find what felt right to me and including with community, you know, my, I tell this story because I think it's partly because it's funny. Um, but I, when I first was in New York, I went on 356 coffee dates in one year when I was first (sighs) starting my first company. Um, I was working in, in corporate America. I was modeling a little bit at the time. So I was having this like crazy, interesting triple life. And I just like wanted to learn, what I wanted to do from really successful people. And, you know, I would ask people to go get coffee with me and, you know, not on romantic dates, but on coffee dates. And I wrote them all down. I asked them a ton of questions about what made them successful, you know, what they felt made them successful and happy. And the number one thing that I learned through that process, you know, because I met with people that had, you know, that were billionaires on, on paper and, and had really successful companies. Cause I was learning a lot about like my, my first entrepreneurial venture. And the number one thing that I noticed and took away from that experience was that people that didn't prioritize community along the way ended up 
most of the time selling their thing, having a ton of money, and then in theory, no one to invite on the yacht or no one to share that experience with. And realizing that this, you know, this concept, which is the core of all self-help really, you know, I, I call it destination happiness. People call it other things. Um, it's not an invented concept by me by any means, but that when you get to a destination that you will be happy. So if you have that mindset about anything, whether it's your body or your partner or your business, usually it doesn't pan out that way. And so that, uh, awareness from people that I didn't, I didn't perfect an, imp- an implementation right away. And I'm still, it's still a journey, but really drove home for myself at like a really early age that I wanted to prioritize the people around me and make sure I'm really investing in them by, you know, showing up in a way that I, you know, felt an integrity about and, and, and things kind of like organically happened from there. And I hosted a ton of parties and events. Yeah. That was like the other link. But also you have the gift of like really connecting people with each other, which I think you, then you remember, right? Like the amount of people you have connected me with, like, oh, this would be good for you. And this person would be great for you, which is really doesn't go unnoticed that you bring value. That's like, I might not have any benefit of that, but I want to connect the two of you because I think you would make great things, which is, it's, it's really beautiful. I think that's what really creates a community. I think what I see in you as well is just like the genuine care that, like I said, like on our coffee date, when you spend so much time asking me about my breakup and, you know, just like diving deeper and being, you, you're genuinely curious in the kind of questions that you ask. It's really good. That's why I think your podcast is so good because you're just like go deeper and deeper about how, but why. And I think maybe the 365 coffee dates <laughs> helps because that's a great practice. Like imagine if that was a podcast, that would be, yeah, that would have been an interesting one. Yeah. It's just like, like a hidden characters. mic. No, th- thank you for saying that. And you know, like I love to talk. I love a microphone. You know, I love, I love public speaking. I love, I, I love learning from people on my podcast. I was a bartender for five years. I have like a lot of experience talking and a lot of people that have done, you know, exactly what you just shared for me. So I'm, I'm just regurgitating best practices from people that have been oh. really inspiring to me in the past. And I think it's just like whenever, you know, and I'm not even I'm traveling all the time and I don't really feel like I'm, I'm the core of the community by any means, right? I'm just lucky to to be able to tag along wherever you guys are meeting and the core team, which I'm super grateful for, but it always just reminds me of like, it would be so beautiful if I could be involved more and I feel like this this deep the deepest sadness about LA it's not LA I don't really care as much but it's just the community that you have been able to cultivate and curate and just like be the center of that just like makes my experience of LA just like the very reason why I would like to be here right it's, it's beautiful. It's, it's definitely a co-creation. I have amazing people and incredible around people, me. like incredible people that are very self and they're very community oriented and I think it's just like What's really nice, and I think it's a beautiful lesson, I wish someone could film what's happening when we meet and and see it for what it is, because mostly we're just, we never really like film like, hey, this is what we're doing or whatever. But I think it's just that everyone is very com- community oriented, which means like, how do I bring value to my friends? How do I spread their message, help with their business, connect them with somebody. There's never like, oh, I want to use my friends for X, Y, and Z, or they should be helping me. And I think everyone is doing cool shit in our community yeah. to their in their own genius. No one's trying to like copy themselves. It's like really just like a most random group of people doing crazy shit while at the same time really supporting one another in whatever they're doing, which is beautiful. It is. It is. And you know, you, you learn a lot about people when you see them go through challenging things. So like the tried and true, like, um, friendships are built, you know, after going through the grind together, going through challenging experiences. Um, and that's the kind of core of it, you know, beautiful. Cause it's like, it's, there's a lot of, I guess, grace, right? It's like, it's just like part of building a community is understanding that like sometimes you're going to be able to do, give 20, right? Or it's, you're going for a tough time. And I think that's what, what really was like eye-opening for me is that when I was going through a challenging time with, through my breakup and, you know, there were people that were like, just didn't quite get it. They were expecting, it's like, oh, you forgot something or you did this. Like, no, I don't, you're a bad person. I'm like, no, I'm just like, <laughs> like, 
I don't have much, right? Like when you're going through a breakup, you're going through your own healing process and understanding you might not always be able to give to others, right? And I think yeah. it's just a beautiful understanding of that. Anyways, that was a tangent. <laughs> I want to go back to mushrooms. We have the functional mushrooms. They're incredible. I remember when you were starting Supermosh all these years ago, you were like, okay, I just realized that the best way for mushrooms to, to be bioavailable or to be absorbed by the body is through spraying them instead of ingesting a pill. Can we talk about that? Yeah, so the most effective way to get supplements into your system is sublingually, right? That's why you have the popularity of of a ton of different supplement tinctures to take that one step further. Um, spraying something goes directly into your cheek mucosal layer and your lungs, so you feel it very quickly, hence our decision to launch functional mushroom mouth sprays. So we have sprays for energy, immunity, and chill, and then we also just launched functional superfood mints, which are really cool for flow and creativity. And then we're coming out with a bunch of new fun product formats like in a month. So maybe by the time this is released, we'll have them out. Amazing. And so these are the functional mushrooms to not confuse. You're not going to get high. But um, if we do want to get high, (laughs) there are the psychedelic mushrooms out there. And so otherwise known as magic mushrooms. So how are they different? Psilocybin is the psychoactive part of magic mushrooms Mm -hmm. and again ancient wisdom used for thousands of years Um, humans have been altering their consciousness since the beginning of time there's a really interesting book that I love it's called the immortality key and it's by this guy Brian Brian Morasco and he dives into uh, religious use of psychedelics wow. and you know in, in ancient Greece and Ulysses and the Ulyssian mysteries and how we actually use psychedelic sacrament as a part of all of these different religious ceremonies and then the reason why we have drop off in religious affiliation over the years is because we stopped using psychedelic sacrament as a part of those ceremonies the reason why I started with that is because the, often the problem with misunderstood stigmatized topics or is, is that we don't understand the history of them. And so if you look back in antiquity, you know, the, the book I mentioned, the immortality key talks a lot about the original use of psychedelic sacrament and all of these religious ceremonies. And the main thesis of this book and a lot of the studies that are going on in this space is that the reason why we have drop off in major religions is because we stopped using psychedelic ritual as a part of these ceremonies. And the reason why I share it is because the misunderstanding of the history of psychedelics is what led to a lot of the common perspective on them now. And the reason why people are so, you know, terrified of psychedelics is we have a massive education issue around them. A lot of people think that psychedelics were invented in the 60s. They were popularized after a lot of the clinical trials and the substances that were being used kind of escaped the lab, so to speak, mm-hmm. and went into mainstream culture. But, um, psychedelics are, are amazing tools and human, but I think subconsciously, I think to a level, sorry to interrupt, but I think there's a level of like, people know that if they take this drug, they, they quote unquote, they, they're worried they might not come back in a way. And I think it's just this realization that, you know, that something might expand your mind and it's almost almost scary and you would rather like you know like it's literally like the matrix of blue pill and red pill of knowing like am i ready to expand my mind i feel deep down in my soul that this relationship isn't serving me on any level i feel like this is not my person i feel like i'm in this relationship out of convenience and i hate my job and so i don't want to take a pill that would make me question all of these things i don't want to i I'm too tired and can't be asked to like challenge everything that's in my life right now. And the subconsciously, I feel like we, we feel that, right? And it's like, we would rather like continue to live that, that, you know, projection of what a life could be because we're too scared to wake up. Yeah. And, and, and first of all, like psychedelics are not for everyone. Not everyone should take psychedelics. So mm. um, that's something really important to kind of note here. I think everyone should understand them. My cousin wrote a book called Psychedelics for Everyone. And the thesis <laughs> of the book is, not everyone should take psychedelics, but everyone should understand um, their application in modern yeah. medicine and culture and um, the ability to alter your consciousness if you so choose, knowing it's that... It's funny. 
Yeah, because I would say like I think everyone should take scandalous. It's just the the dosage. I think there's there's a part of me that I would love for everyone to like microdose on mushrooms, even because you can barely feel it, but it, it really helps you step out of your ego a little bit. And I maybe this is not exactly what you as an expert should say, but part <laughs> of me it's like I feel like. I wish I could dose everybody just a little bit and like microdose, which Put is a little mushrooms in the water stream. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine? Yeah. I mean, look, that's like what, what led to the <laughs> shutdown of psychedelics, right? Like that exact ethos, right? When, so, when we have an amazing experience on anything, the desire to share that is so strong that we want everyone to experience and not realizing, you know, how fragile the psyche is. And there's a lot of danger in, in proper use of psychedelics. Even at, even sometimes at small doses, there's like contraindications of certain things. Psilocybin in general, microdosing, the reason why we started a whole nonprofit focused on the legalization of that is because the contraindications are relatively low. So we can talk about microdosing in a second, in a second. but just to kind of close the loop on that, you know, for anyone that's listening to this and may be skeptical or, you know, mushroom curious or interested in other psychedelics, my first suggestion is to just like listen to podcasts about what they do to your brain, read books, really educate yourself. I researched, you know, intensely psychedelics before I ever seriously worked with them. My, you know, my parents had a total shift in perspective um, of using psychedelics because we, learned together for years before they ever, ever considered even dreaming about taking one of these compounds, um, from a really, you know, anti-psychedelic perspective to, you know, to shifting into wanting to experience and then experiencing and have life-changing experiences, right? It's really an education issue. I wouldn't recommend anyone put anything into their body without, um, learning about it substantially beforehand. Yeah. Beautiful. There's really amazing resources out there. Like hence, you know, kind of why we started, the podcast, um, even for the legal psychedelics, you know, ketamine is a legal dissociative, um, also considered in the psychedelic family, even though it's a dissociative, but it's legally being used all across the country. Just because something's legal doesn't mean you should take it. Some of the worst advice that I've been given in my life as it relates to my health has been from experts that are prescribing me legal things. Legal does not mean good. Um, and if you're an illegal does not mean bad and illegal does not mean bad and vice versa for, for both. So I'm excited about all the research that's going into psilocybin assisted therapy for all of these different, um, psychiatric and, and mental disorders. And I'm really excited about psychedelics and culture and their cultural applications. I believe just as humans have been, you know, altering their consciousness from the beginning of time, we should be able to do so now. Hence, you know, our, our kind of advocacy in the, in the legalization side of things. And it has to be done in, you know, in a careful way because as we've seen before, history does tend to repeat itself or a little past the point, hopefully of a mass psychedelic shutdown because there's so much profound research that's happening with these, with these substances. And, um, yeah, so I'm just excited. Well, them. so there's like different ways of how we can take psychedelics or psychedelic mushrooms. Mm-hmm. There is the party setting, which is obviously how most people, I think, up until this day, think of psychedelics. It's like, you know, you go to a party and you and your friends take it and whatever, you have a good time or you just feel like everything is super funny. Then there is the the ceremonial setting, which is the most beautiful, right? And there's the microdose, which you can take as you wake up in the morning and it kind of, you can barely feel it, but it gives you a slightly different perspective of what, you know, as you navigate, like sometimes you feel lighter, you might be in, sometimes you feel more introspective and you can like see things differently, which is because you get used to it, you would take it for a day or two, take a break and then for another, right? It's like depends of what what is the protocol that you're following? And so mine is the party setting. Let's talk about the ceremony and the microdose and what is the difference? What are different benefits and what we can expect? Yeah. And, you know, I'm not a psychedelic facilitator. I do kind of, you know, I do coach people on, on microdosing because it's had such a profound impact on my life. So I really dove into understanding what was happening there and um, help guide people in that way. If they're interested in, in having protocol or a practice, we just mm-hmm. taught a webinar about it this morning for, for our nonprofit. 
um, which is called Microdosing Collective. So it's all about the legalization <laughs> of microdosing. And amazing. It's an amazing group of people that's all working on that. You know, just to to, to hone in on the, on the microdosing, why I'm passionate about it is, you know, A, it had a really profound impact on on my life. I started exploring, you know, taking subperceptual amounts of psychedelics. And the, the key word of subperceptual is what most people talk about when they talk about microdosing, meaning that it's supposed to be a non-perceptible dose. You're not supposed to be experiencing hallucinogenic effects. If you are, that's fine, but it's just not a microdose. So what is the microdose dose comparing to like a normal dose? Usually it's 0.1 to 0.2. If you're talking about psilocybin, 0.1 to 0.2 of a gram. Everyone's body is different. So it might be higher for you based on so many things or lower based on so many things. But in general, um, that's the dose. And there's different ways that you can use psychedelics, right? You talked about ceremonial use. A lot of people, when they're going into more of the the healing therapeutic setting, and most of the, you know, the, all of the legalization right now that's happening around psychedelics and therapy. So those two things being together and using the compound to help make the therapy more impactful. There's a ton of great podcasts that we have on Into the Multiverse where we talk to therapists about that process. Um, so I'll let them speak to the expertise of that. But that's usually for psychedelics, for you know, for healing mm-hmm. and microdosing. Most often is used for people that are interested in it for human optimization, biohacking people, if you will, and people that are interested in going from a healthy, normal state to you know an eight or a ten or an eleven. If you're yeah. kind of ranking yourself on a scale the quick cliff notes of, of why I think microdosing is impactful is it allows you to have slight neuroplasticity. So you're still getting, you know, that slightly opened visual cortex You're st- you're getting, um, you know, new neural pathways that are being formed in your brain. Psilocybin or sorry, lion's mane actually does somewhat of a similar thing. That's why they're often stacked together. They work really beautifully together with functional mushrooms, but it enables you this live neuroplasticity while you're in your life versus, if you are taking psychedelics in a ceremonial setting, you're in an eye mask, maybe with with a bl- you know with with music, and mm-hmm. you're really going into your internal landscape. But what microdosing is really cool for is, you know, I'll, I'll microdose for work. A lot of people do. A lot of the best companies in the world swear by microdosing LSD or, you know, psilocybin for their creativity and their ability to feel. Uh, you know, like they're thinking out of the box and mood stabilization, anti-anxiety, anti-depression and things like this. And it enables you to catch yourself, like myself specifically, it enables me to catch myself when something that historically has triggered me, I feel like I'm detached enough from the experience slightly. It's like a 1% mm-hmm. shift where I'm able to respond differently. Classic examples like calling your mom. We think we're all really enlightened. And then, you know, you you call someone from your family and you respond in the same way you have since you were 12. Yeah. And, you know, (laughs) microdosing has been impactful for situations like that for me. I, I, I personally really like microdosing just because of that, that you don't really feel like you forget. I forget when I took it. Uh, and I was just like, oh, like, I'm just, I didn't get annoyed or I didn't get this. And I'm like, oh, it's the microdose. You know what I mean? Like kind of like working back that it's, it's just super subtle, but like, like you said, you just don't really get as impacted. How, in what other area has mushrooms help you deal with, with emotions, with, with what's going on in your life? Yeah. I mean, we, we, we talked about this a little and I've, I've actually spoken about, you know, the work that our team is doing the work that that has been so present for me the last few years has felt more real than ever because my dad recently passed away and I know we talked about this recently and it's been such a beautiful experience although it's it's been really intense but it's been because you guys were very close right very very we talked every day um he's an amazing human and I wrote something about this and I I released it on the internet, um, which at the time was the most vulnerable thing that I've shared on the internet. And then after that, (laughs) and then I shared a podcast with my mom, which I, which, um, which was beautiful by the way. Thank you. Thank you for listening to it. Yeah. It's my mom's amazing. Um, and I shared in this, in this first post, like there's, there's three things that wake you up to the reality of your own mortality more than anything else. One is you have a near-death experience. 
and you, you feel the closeness of your life really flash before your eyes. Um, two is that you have an ego death, um, or you die before you die most likely via psychedelic experience or otherwise, right? There's many other ways to achieve these states, breath work, meditation, et cetera. And then three is that someone that you love dies really suddenly. The difference between these three things is that one and two, uh, they're not permanent, but three, you know, if, if you have someone that you love that's really present in your life, you have this immediate void that just resets your nervous system in a permanent way because they're actually not here in this physical form Yeah, and there's no way for them to fill that void anymore. Yeah, and um, all of my journeys with psychedelics, my understanding of them has given me a total different understanding of my own death and my own mortality. So it's something I, I, you know, I think about often uh, and it's something I talk to my dad about often, oddly, and he died in a really unexpected way and my experience of that event and what comes after it and ability to kind of um, understand it has been largely informed by my experiences with psychedelics. And one of the things that I'm the most grateful for throughout this entire experience is that my parents were also able to experience psychedelics before my dad passed away. And my mom, since he has passed away as a part of her grieving process. And she shared many times with me that she, you know, wouldn't still want to be here if it wasn't for her experience with psilocybin that gave her an understanding of, of death and what comes after it and where we go. And I'm so um, appreciative to mushrooms for that because they've been my greatest teachers in my life. Yeah, but how hard is it to hear your mom saying that she wouldn't want to live otherwise just as after you, you lost your dad? I think it's, you know, just words as a part of a, a grieving process. And it's, I guess for me, it's less about that and more about thinking about how important tools like this can be as a part of the grieving process. So everything we just, you know, talked about for the first part of this episode, Mm -hmm. human optimization, connection, community, all all this stuff. It's like most of the things that we're all struggling with are all artificial stresses, right? And we want to optimize all these areas of our life, but then shit gets really real when someone that you love's health is compromised or your health, right? Like how irrelevant does everything that we're, (laughs) we're thinking about, you know, become, even though problems are, yeah, are well, relative, but when, when someone you love's health is, is compromised or in danger, um, and it just, it gives you this different perspective and view of the world. And, um, I find these tools after really seeing them implemented in this post grief experience with my family to be really important, um, to share with people that are either going through, you know, a grieving experience of a sudden death. Most of what psychedelics are used for and being approved for clinically is for terminal illnesses, you know, getting approved for people that have cancer um, or other terminal diseases to be able to have this experience because it, it can soften the fear around death. So, which is ironic because it's not about like, Oh, if I don't feel, you know, there's this feeling of like, Oh, if I stop fearing, I won't, I won't fight for my life if I no longer be scared. But in reality is the fear that's creating the inflammation in the body. So if you actually stop fearing the death, it can actually heal you, right? On on so many levels. Yeah, you know, I think it's been a beautiful process. There's so much to say about it. And I it's giving new meaning to everything that I'm doing. And it's it's not just psychedelics, right? Like my parents also used functional, you know, mushrooms. My mom's, you know, obviously still here and their first foray into understanding psychedelics was their comfortability with these functional mushrooms. So if you're trying to get your parents to understand psychedelics, like start them on supplements is my, is my recommendation and and help educate in that way. But I've had a really different understanding of, of heaven and my view on what psychedelics do is, has kind of been solidified into this you know, I, I summarize it like psychedelics open your visual cortex to the heaven that is all around you. So it's this concept that I've been speaking about and, and thinking about a lot lately where 
like actually what they do. Like when you have psilocybin that converts to psilocin in your system is it opens your visual cortex. You're allowing more light in. you're able to be more aware of the reality of what's around you. We're so distracted by the world. We're so distracted. Like I look at my phone, I'm going to look at my phone after this podcast. I'm probably going to have a hundred messages from Slack, WhatsApp, text, Instagram, all the things. We're so pulled out of the majesty of how remarkable our lives are. Death, pulls you back into that really quickly because you're like, you're just not distracted. Yeah. But then we go back, right? We fall back into being really distracted. And so um, microdosing, other experiences of psychedelics have really made me more conscious and aware of of the remarkable world that is all around me. And there's a lot of problems in the world, but mm. um, it's made me it's made me optimistic and really happy. So this experience with my dad has been, has been very beautiful. It sounds like he helped you solidify your mission so strongly now, right? Like after a few years of working on that, you're just like, wow, it really, like it added an extra layer of meaning to already a meaningful journey as a founder, right? Of like, wow, it really makes sense. And and seeing the, like the impact it has on your family and had on your mom, it's just like, it must be so beautiful to witness. Yeah, that my parents are the best. You know, my dad was... <laughs> one of our first investors in our company. And that's actually kind of irrelevant outside of the fact that he was just so supportive of everything, even though he didn't, couldn't really, he could never pronounce psilocybin. He could never (laughs) quite, you know, he was, I was always doing something crazy and, but he was so relentlessly supportive. Um, my, yeah, my parents are amazing and now they're advocates for this space. And honestly, that's more impactful than even me speaking about it or you because, Oh, 100%, right? Like, when you think of your of parents like having this meaningful journey and coming with yeah yeah like you know the um the people that are going to shift culture in a really big way whether it's psychedelics or another stigmatized topic are people that are um you know that resonate with the more mainstream Mm -hmm. audiences or like you know i'm from missouri so looking at uh the typical perspective around psychedelics and you know maybe some other interesting modalities or like the way that we you know stuff you incorporate into your life that feels crazy to a lot of people it gets really interesting when you have people from those communities start to speak about it because of their personal experience like I did a recent event in Dallas Texas with you know the the longest standing governor of Texas and he was speaking about you know his advocacy for psychedelics and people started to listen he's the you know kind of um, a thought leader and expert that people really resonate with from those communities. So I'm just excited that people are sharing their experiences. It's such a nuanced subject about to go Mm -hmm. to the largest psychedelics conference in in Denver next week where they're, you know, in the weeds of talking about all the different compounds and all the different therapeutic uses. And like, it's so complicated and there's so many brilliant minds that are working to bring it to the forefront. And I'm just sharing my own personal experience, learning as, as best as I can and excited to help and, you know, in our own way, move it, move it forward. Cause I think it's very yeah. important. You're doing so much and you have impacted at least one person, which is myself, because I have learned so much about mushrooms. Thanks to you using super mush. And yeah, thank you for everything you're doing. I love into the multiverse, which is also a great podcast. If you want to learn more, Ali, where else can we find you on Instagram? I am on Instagram. Um, my handle is Ali Shaper. Everything that I'm doing is linked under there. Super mush is our brand we have you know it's a 60s and 70s inspired brand very fun colorful so if you're listening to us on audio go check out supermash on instagram if nothing else it's just a really colorful fun feed we post a lot of really great stuff we host a ton of great community events so if you're listening to this and you live in la and you want to come to our events reach out to me or reach out to supermash and then we have our into the multiverse media arm where we do all of our education and events in the psychedelic space we have a podcast we do psychedelic thought leader events. And then Microdosing Collective, I mentioned already, is our nonprofit focused on microdosing legalization. Amazing. So good to host you. And thank you for everything for doing for our community in LA. I love you so much. And thank you for sharing so vulnerably your mm-hmm. journey. Love you so mm-hmm. much. Love you too. Thanks thank for having you. me on.